Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight and you might have guessed this, I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. I can't believe we get to do two sort of so close together episodes. We've had $50 phone call, um, one-on-ones this week and everything has been a huge week of Monsters Who Murder. It's been a big week of getting to know our Patreon subscribers and we've got another group call coming up tomorrow at a time that's um, good for our international listeners. So hopefully we'll have a few as part of that. Um, Amanda, this is really interesting what we're doing today because we are looking at emergency calls again, 911 calls or 999, I think it is in the UK, triple zero here in Australia. And we're going to listen to some of those calls. We did one at the beginning of the season. There was a lot of good reaction to that, and we had a lot more material to go through. So it's going to be fascinating to hear some more of those stories. It is, and I'm so glad that we're actually getting to do a part two. Um, I will say now this is definitely not the end. I think that we're going to do this sporadically throughout the, the seasons to come, purely because there is a lot out there, and to see people at their most basic human elements, I think it's quite interesting both to see the bad guys and the good guys, the victims and the heroes. Mm. I think it's 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 worth sort of looking at that whole gamut of um, human emotions and I'm just totally fascinated, I have to admit. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it as well. It's something we don't usually focus on. And we've had some emergency calls during episodes of Monsters Who Murder, but this is quite fascinating. In fact, in part two of our emergency call specials, we're looking at a variety of different crimes and disappearances to show how a dispatcher can make or break a case and how they manage the person on the other end of the phone. Please note that, once again, listeners might find some of these calls disturbing. Discretion is advised. So let's begin. And our first call is in Colorado. Michelle Wilkins had answered a Craigslist advert. She had gone to the home of Danelle Lane, who had advertised that she had a pile of maternity clothes that she was giving away. Michelle, who was seven months pregnant at the time, arrived at the home only to have Lane attack her, knock her unconscious, and then cut the baby from her womb. Michelle called 911. At this point, she's lying in a pool of blood and her baby has gone. 911, address of your emergency. 1620. Green place. 1620 what? Green place. I can't understand the street. Green place. Green place. Green like the color? Yeah. What's the phone number you're calling me from? Okay, what, tell, tell me what happened. 
She cut me. Who cut you? Um, there's, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Responded to. Hang on. on its way of course but gosh it must be times like this the dispatcher must feel like it's taking a lifetime yeah i mean it is and it's for both parties involved you know she's trying to do the official call to dialogue she knows that she has to ask certain questions to get certain info and as we heard she referred to it as a stabbing because michelle is barely conscious and the fact that she had her phone with her and was able to ring is just amazing you know but the dispatcher knows that this is more than just filling in a form she knows that she needs to keep michelle talking she knows mm. that she's the person who is going to keep this woman holding on until the very last second and and it's moments like these that the seconds actually do count you know that dispatcher knows that she needs just to keep her talking even just to know that she's groaning and trying to make some sort of semblance of sense she knows that that means that she's still conscious you know she is going over the questions trying to repeat responses to try and make sure that they are going to the right place because she said like it, it was green street or, or, or something but you know how many streets would be called that and so she yeah. has to make sure that she's getting them to the right place you know and michelle doesn't have the energy to expend she has to basically answer as yes or no because she needs to keep what is left inside of her inside of her and you know her, her baby is is near her it's cut from her stomach you know but at this point in time this dispatcher isn't aware that this is what's happened but she knows that she's been stabbed she knows she's pregnant she knows that this, those seconds count so the baby has been removed and is mm -hmm. lying near Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, we'll get into that a bit more because of what actually happens. We will get in, in, into further details, but it's just quite shocking. And this is not like a one-of-a-kind crime either. I could, do, <sighs> I could do a whole series on this. Okay. Well, look, let's keep listening to the call. 
Michelle, don't, uh, don't you go to sleep, okay? You stay on the phone with me. Can you tell me, did she have any other weapons besides a knife? She broke a glass. She broke a glass? Yeah. Did she stab you with yeah. the broken glass also? Yeah. Okay. Michelle, you need to think real hard and tell me who it is that did this. Tell me the person's name. Think real hard, okay? Don't go to sleep. Stay with me. Tell me who it is. You don't know? Have you? Did, did she break into the house? Does she live there? No, it's her house. It's her house. Okay. So you're a renter there, and she she's the owner of the house? It's really hard to listen to, hearing her beg for help, her shallow breathing. The dispatcher just keeps asking questions to keep her focused. And then that jubilation, those seconds before the call ends, she's safe. Amanda, you're crying. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm... Both of those people are in a place of absolute helplessness. You know, Michelle's lying there bleeding to death. She's lost her baby. 
and the dispatcher's trying to find, get the people to get to her. And, you know, it's like one one wrong move, you know. Yeah, you know, but I'd argue that, sh- that they're not in a place of help, helplessness. They're helping each other. The dispatcher yeah. is working very smart and thoroughly yeah. to get people there. What have we got? That's about uh, six minutes worth of audio. Yeah. So all yeah. that, those two clips together were real time. Yeah. So within six minutes, help is there. Yeah, but it just takes one wrong thing or for Michelle to pass out or or the dispatcher to not hear that one cue, you know, that she's downstairs or that it's not her house. Because as we heard that the dispatcher saying, did she stab you? Did you have a fight? Do you rent from her? She wasn't understanding that this was actually um, a call. Um, she, she'd gone to the house because this woman had, had faked an advertisement on Craigslist um, saying that um, she had maternity clothes because she wanted a pregnant woman to turn up because she wanted to steal the baby. And that's what has happened in this case. You know, and and the person that had done it actually um, had stolen the baby from her womb and then her, her partner turns up and says, oh, my God, you know, I've had the baby but it's miscarriage because the baby did die. And um, they... Janelle hadn't even told her partner that Michelle was downstairs. She had assumed that she was dead. That was something she was going to deal with another time. They had no idea that she was alive. She had her phone and she was calling for help, you know, and it's just amazing that... These, I'm sorry, I'm, I just get emotional. It's been an it's emotional right. week it's as a it huge is. Thing um, to but to. it's just, it's just, there's heinous crimes and there's heinous crimes. I mean, we've just completed Timothy Jones, and that was a horrific case. And then we have cases like this, and I don't know if I'm upset because of the crime or I'm upset for, for relief for them. You know, I know that this still has a, a bad outcome. Um, because the baby didn't survive. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this is how valuable these these telephone dispatches are and how incredible that they need to be in these times to be able to um, save these people. And, like, how, how much longer would Michelle have had? You know, and this woman got the right answers the right way. And I know there's a lot of beeps in there purely because when this was actually released, um, they there was a blanket order on um on the victim and the details because of the court case that was that was pending at the time mm. um but we now know that her name's Michelle we, we now know it was Danielle Lane that um that was the perpetrator but um it's I don't know it gets to me sometimes and and I'm sorry but I won't hide it because I just I I'm <laughs> I don't know. I'm just proud of these people that 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 help and and the way that we have that massive survival instinct when it comes to um, such heinous crimes. Yeah, and don't be afraid to show your emotions. Uh, we are a very authentic <sighs> podcast. We cry, we laugh, we make stupid jokes, and we get to the bottom of this stuff. So don't be worried about that. As you said, Lane had taken the baby and claimed it was hers when her partner arrived home and that she was claiming she had a miscarriage. And she actually even claimed that Wilkins was the violent one, not her. She had told him that Wilkins was still alive and had called 911. Lane was only charged with attempted murder as the laws in Colorado state that unless the baby had lived independent of its mother, it can't be considered a person. Okay, moving on, and our next call is very close to home. Many will remember the case of missing six-year-old Keisha Whippet from the western Sydney suburb of Mount Druid in 2010. Amanda, take us through some of the background of this one. 
Well, um, this case uh, actually begins as a lot of cases do. Um, there's a frantic caregiver who rings the emergency services, and this time it's uh, Christy Abrams, who is Koisha's mum, um, and she rang to below on about mid-morning on July 19th, 2010, stating that um, she couldn't find her daughter. Hi, I'm, I'm, I've just gotten up and went to the toilet. I've noticed that my front door was open and my daughter's not here. Okay, what's know. your address? It's Miss Dane, stroke 342, what's that, Gavin, you Mount George. Okay. You just get the police on their way out there, okay? How old's your daughter? She's six. She's six? <laughs> Have you checked all the units? Okay, what's your name? Christy, I'm my mum. Okay, Christy, what's your last name? Abraham. Yeah, and what's your um, phone number there? Um, I don't, I've just got the mobile, I don't know the mobile number. Okay. What's your mobile? I don't know, I don't, I don't what's know. What's your daughter's name? Kaisha. What is it? Kaisha. Spell it. K-I-E-S-H-A. Yep. Abraham? Um, yeah, yes. And she's six? Yeah, she's six. Okay, so she, as far as you know, she would be in her pyjamas, or you don't know? Yes, she's in her pyjamas. Okay, so what time would you have last seen her last night? Um, I put her out of bed last night, quarter to ten. Okay. And do you have any other family that live in the unit block? No. Any no. neighbours that she would talk to? No. No. And it runs off, what is that, Marina Street? Pardon? The corner street, there's Marina Street? Carlow. Okay. Has she ever done this before? No, 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 not really. Like, she looks at a window and shit, but no, I don't know. Is she tall, short, skinny? Tall, she's skinny, she's got blonde hair. She's blonde. Yep. <laughs> and what colour jammies did she have on last night? She had pink pyjamas and a purple jacket, a purple pumpkin patch jacket. So pink pyjamas and a purple jacket last night? Yes. She sounds devastated, Amanda. Yeah, she does. She sounds exhausted and she sounds tired. But this doesn't sound like a person who is panicked about their missing child. I, I know it sounds like that she is, but she's not. She's not hyper alert. She's not, you know, she's not screaming out up and down the street. She's not asking for neighbours. She's not running around the place. She is sitting still and making this phone call. There is nothing that suggests that she would... That, that she's concerned that her child has disappeared or that someone's taken her or anything. Think back to the Dali um, Rotea case that we did a few weeks ago. She was barking orders at people. She was screaming about, oh, my God, my children, my children, my children. This isn't what's happening here. She's So you think she knows she's already dead? Well... Spoiler alert, she, she did know that she was all, already dead because she's the killer. Right. So what we have here is a is a mum who's making a false missing person call because this is what she wants them to do. She, she knows that she has to make the call, so she has made the call. But she 
is doing it like I'm I'm a bereaved mother, not yes. as oh my god, where's my child? Please, I need people here to come and help me, help me, help me, help me. Oh my god, where's my daughter? None of that is happening. We're it's funny you say that sad. because I was, uh, you know, I do remember this case at the time, mm-hmm. but I must admit I didn't remember who the killer was. I knew it was a family member, so I didn't yeah. realize it was the mum. It's the mum and and the de facto husband, right? And it was interesting listening to that call because. Even I got the sense that she felt the kid was dead. Mm-hmm. It was, was very thinking, much a past well, tense. She's missing. Yeah, and, and while that's very, very scary, the tears were not, de- yeah, it didn't seem to be about fear, just an acceptance that she was dead. Mm-hmm. Like that's how those tears came through mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, there, there, there is two ways that this can go and we are going to see that, that the next case it will go a very different way. We have a person who is absolutely panicked saying, oh, my God, my child's not here. I've woken up. The kid's gone. You go into panic stations. You run up and down the streets. I, I had a parcel delivered to a wrong house and I was on the phone to Australia Post running up and down the street trying all the houses, trying to find just a bloody chair that had gone to the wrong house. You know, this is what people do when things go missing. They try and find them. The other way that they go is like, oh, my God, like we've looked everywhere. Like I can't believe I'm going to have to make this call because yes. surely I'm being ridiculous yes. because the kid's going to be under the bed yep. and we're going to see that next. But in this call, this is morning. Yeah, okay. Well, look, let's go back to the rest of the call, knowing what we know from Amanda's mm-hmm. spoilers. But let's hear how she continues with the call. I've just let the police know. We've got police. We've got everybody on their way out to see you, okay? And she's never done this. Like she gets up and plays like in the middle of the night. She looks at I'm a quarter out of the window before we went over, but I don't I don't even I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And you, is it just the two of you that live there? I've got a two-year-old and a three-week-old baby. And are they still there? Yeah, they're still here. They're still there? Yes. And have they seen the two-year-old? Did they, have they, have you quizzed the two-year-old? Can your two-year-old speak? Yeah. No, she was in, she was in bed. I just got up with me as well. We've all just gotten up. Okay. So the two and the three-week-old are still there? Yes. Right, the, the kid's father, he, 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 he's here as well. He's there as well? Looking for her. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, Christy, we have got everybody on their way out there. <laughs> so he's out yelling the streets for us? Yeah, he's going looking for her. So that's your ex-partner, is that right? Yes, that's the kid's father, yes. What's his name? Robert. Robert? Yeah, Robert. Robert who? Smith. Okay. 
And you've looked in all the cupboards? Yes, she's not here. I looked everywhere. Do you have any birthmarks on her? Um, she's only got like a little one on her stomach. I've got one in the same place as well. Ears pierced? Yes, but she hasn't got no earrings in. Okay. All right, Christy. Well, I'm going to hang up. We've got police on their way there yeah. now. All right. If you hear anything before we get there, you call us straight back. Okay, otherwise we'll be there as soon as possible, okay? Yeah. All right, then we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. It was interesting listening to that, that there seemed to be little breadcrumbs of information that Christy is giving out to back up the scenario of the child escaping. Yeah, I mean, she's saying, oh, you know, oh, I've caught her hanging out the window and the window's been open. You know, it's that's going to be part of her story that, you know, that this child has, has sort of skipped out and, and, and headed off to play out in the street by herself and someone's grabbed her, obviously, and taken her. I mean, it's, it's a scenario, you know, if... <sighs> Parents can put themselves in, in, in sort of this mindset and and you would panic if you think, oh, my God, is someone taking my child? You would mm. That would be what Yo was saying, not, oh, well, she often, you know, I've seen her hanging out the window. That wouldn't be the part of the story that you would tell you. You would say, you know, I've seen her jump out that window and, oh, my God, has she done that and someone's taken her and, and you build that scenario. But she's giving, as you said, those little small breadcrumbs um, to make it sound like that this is a likely scenario to define Reflect that she is to blame because as we know in most child cases you start looking within the family unit and then you move out in, in, in the investigation. A stranger killing is is so rare um, I mean which is why they become big cases because if we did every child that was murdered within the family, we would be doing a case almost every single day. But mm. instead, it's those stranger cases that we do because it is that sort of um, blip in, in in the system. So um, she has no idea that the police are going to come down and go through her like she has no idea. Well, sadly, as Amanda mentioned, it would come to pass that Keisha was murdered by Christy, her mother, the previous evening. This is a case we will do more in-depth in an upcoming episode of Monsters Who Murder. But, Amanda, it was fascinating to scratch the surface on that one, as I know you have the interrogation as well to take us through. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more to this case, but we're just looking at the 911 call now just to see how... how different people react in different situations. Indeed. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we're going to deal with another Australian case, the case of William Tyrrell, and you'll hear how two missing person phone calls go very, very different. In the meantime, don't forget, you can get a whole load of bonuses just by subscribing to us at patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. In fact, we'll be having a video group chat tomorrow with a lot of lovely people who support this podcast and we do appreciate your support. We'll be right back. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on 60 Minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's Alright, now to show a different angle to a missing child case, again in New South Wales. This is the first triple zero emergency call when William Tyrrell went missing. Police emergency, this is Simone. Yeah, hi, my son is missing. He's three and a half. Okay. Um, sorry? What's your address? Benaroon Drive, yep. Kendall. Okay, Benaroon Drive in Kendall? Yes. Alright, I'm just going to bring that up on my map. I won't be a moment. Thank you. How long has he been missing? I th- well, I think, well, we've been looking in for him now for about 15 or 20 minutes, but okay. I thought it could be five, it could be longer, because he was just playing around here. We heard him, and then we heard nothing. Okay. So what the nearest cross street it's, being Ellendale uh, Crescent, is that right? So what is it? Ellendale Crescent? I don't know. My, this is my mum's house. I, okay. Um, hang on. <laughs> There's another lady out helping us look for him. I'll see if I can find her. But it's Benaroon, B-E-N. Yeah, I can see. I can see where you are. I'm just wondering. Yeah, so it was, it's Benaroon Drive in Kendall, and I just thought I've got you nearest cross street as being Ellendale Crescent. It could be. I don't know. Okay. So he's been missing since about 10:30. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Can you describe him to me? How tall? Obviously not very tall. No, he's, he'd, be, he'd be about two and a half feet. He's wearing a Spider-Man outfit. Yep. What kind um, of hair has he got? He's got um, dark, sandy-coloured hair. It's short, and he's got really big, uh, brownie green coloured eyes. Very different. That call is made by William's foster mum on that fateful day, September 12, 2014. Amanda, I loved how she described him as having big, brownie green coloured eyes. Yeah, I mean, this shows a very different sort of, of call. You know, she's scared, but she's in control and she's extremely extremely alert. Now, they had taken the, the children to the foster grandparents that afternoon and there's whole lots of timelines and scenarios about that that we won't go into here. You know, but she doesn't have the exact answers. You know, she's not prepared to answer questions. She's like, you know, I, she feels like it's dumb making this call because she knows mm. he's just a cheeky little kid who's just going to come around the corner, you know, and she's looking around. We can hear that she's actually walking, you know, and that's the difference. She's, She doesn't think there's anything wrong. She just thinks he's he's just wandered around somewhere. He's gone exploring in his Spider-Man suit, as as the picture shows that we've all Which seen. Which is an iconic photo exactly. when you look at William it, Terrell. Exactly. And, and those outside of Australia, this is our... This is our biggest current 
cold case of a child in this country and it's like massive so this is a case that we hear about a lot and so this is a good one to sort of touch on here you know but she's she's not thinking anything un, untowards happen you know they're 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 at a large property that, that backs onto um, bushland, you know, and that is going to be exciting for any kid. You give me a property with bushland, I'm going to go there. So, you know, a three-year-old is definitely going to wander off. And that's what she assumes has has happened. And, you know, there, there's no sort of like, she goes, I have no idea where the cross street is because she's not panicked. She's not trying to be prepared for the right questions, the right answers. You know, she's not thinking that this is anything sinister, but she felt a bit this dumb. This is the key. She knows that he's missing, but she's not assuming the worst. No. Because kids run out of houses all the time. There's not always someone there to snatch them up. You know, like, as you said, it's very rare. Yeah. And she just thinks, yeah, he's gone missing, but we've been looking and we can't find him. I'm I'm a little worried now. I feel like I'm probably jumping the gun by calling the police, but... I am concerned. Yeah, well, I mean, that first sound that she she makes, she's like, oh, it's like I feel like a total idiot, but Mm. I'm making this call because, you know, just that little, little 0% is is in in the back of my mind. All right, let's continue. I'll see you get any shoes on. Do you know any any other distinguishing He has, oh, he's got a freckle on the top of his head when you part the hair on the left-hand side. Yep. You'll see a freckle on the top of his head. Okay. All right. Do you know where he might have gone? Um, we're, we actually live, well, none properties near a state forest. Okay. And they're on huge blocks. We've walked up and down Benaroon Drive, and we can't find him. Okay. What's his name? William. So what's William's surname? Uh, Tyrrell, T-Y-R-R-E-L-L. Okay. Has he been known to sort of go anywhere? No, this is the first time. The first time he's out of character. There wasn't anyone um, suspicious in the area, any vehicles? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, not that, I'm, no, not that I'm aware of. We were just, I was out there talking with mum and my other daughter, so. Okay. And we heard him roaring around the garden, and then I thought, oh, I haven't heard him. I better go okay. check on him. And okay. All right. We'll send police to see you at Inneroon driving Kendall. We'll yes, also get that, um, a message broadcasted to all the cars that people look out for him as well. Yes, okay? Yes. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, definitely a situation where everyone is thinking we're going through the procedures of getting the police here, but we're not panicked. Absolutely. There's there, there's nothing there that sort of makes you worry because you're just assuming that he's in the bush. You know, this might be a 24-hour, we're going to search and rescue. We're going to find him with bumps and scratches and that's about it. Although in her thought process, there is a bit of a shift when she's asked if she's seen anyone suspicious. Yeah, because she wasn't thinking that way. Yeah. And so Shay goes, yeah, nah, nah, nah. And then she, you, you, you can hear her sort of think, Oh God, I didn't even think of that, you know. And mm. then you, that, there's that bit of panic that the sort of comes, you know. And she, she realizes that what that the dispatcher is asking her, it's actually a frightening thought, and she hadn't even gone there, you know. And so this call actually suggests that there isn't anything serious about this case. And as we know, this is in the first seconds that that, mm. that, that this case, and we're now many years later. I mean, this happened in 2014, you know. Um, but we're just expecting that. The kid's going to be found. You know, he's in his suit. He's in his Spider-Man suit. That bright red and blue is going to be spotted in the bushlands of Australia. And, you know, it was just going to be a quick search. 
on a nice spring afternoon and that was going to be it. But nothing happened. Yes, and unfortunately to this day, William remains missing. Okay, we head in a very different direction for this next call. Here we have the killer calling 911. Paul Stefani is known as the weepy voice killer because of the telephone calls he made after each of the murders he committed. In total, he killed at least three women between 1980 and 1982. The first phone call is after the first attack on Karen Potak, who actually survives the attack on December 31, 100 Sounds upset, Amanda. He does, but he's not giving much away. I know, I know they're very hard to hear because this is from the 1980s, but, um, you know, this is actually the most interaction that he will have in any of his phone calls. You know, he will actually change the way he, he does them moving forward, especially because Karen actually survived the attack. So he has to make sure that things change so it wouldn't happen again. Well, then he calls again and talks about murdering Kimberly Compton on June 3, He's threatening suicide and then hangs up. Are you buying that? No, absolutely not. I mean, he sounds pretty coherent and it's very rehearsed, you know. Don't yeah. talk, just listen. And we've heard that before on other calls that we've done, mm-hmm. you know. He's attacking on purpose. And so the calls are about bringing attention to his crimes. Um, this is a mechanism killers do when they think they deserve the attention that they're not getting. And him saying, oh, well, I'm going to kill myself, what he's saying there is that, you know, if I don't kill myself, I'm going to continue killing. So this is saying that he's planning on murdering again and again and again. They they feel that they can't stop themselves, but they can because this is part of what they do, that this is how they get away with it because they can slip in and out of that, that serial killer persona for want of a better term. And so this is what he's he's doing. And by having these telephone calls, it makes it even more spectacular. He knows that the news are going to eat it up. Mm. Well, this is his third call, and it was a few days later after police hadn't found him. Fire emergency. Please don't talk to this person. I'm sorry, I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one. Oh, my chief. Oh, I don't know what's the matter with I'm going to kill myself, I think. Where are you? There's so many guys with a red shirt on. It's me. I killed both of them. I'll never make it to heaven. Calm down. Calm down. 
Amanda, there's something very important about these calls that you noticed. Yep, they're all exactly 30 seconds long. So this means mm-hmm. he times himself. So uh, he doesn't stay on, on the phone long. He is scripted in what he's going to say. The don't talk, just listen. It's a very powerful statement to say, but it's also then allows them to um, link all of these calls together. You know, I can imagine he's, he, he's crying in this phone call, hangs up, walks away from the telephone box, calm, calm and easy. It's all an act. It's, it's all just an, yeah. an amazing response that um, when you hear someone on these calls and they are distressed, the, the dispatchers know they kind of have to listen to what's going on. And so he's, he's confessing and then walking away calm and easy, but only for 30 seconds at a time. And interestingly, Stefani wasn't a suspect in all of the murders he actually committed. No, and it, it wasn't until he was in, in prison for um, killing Kathleen Greening, who, who was his second victim, and the attempted murder of his his last victim that he then confessed. You know, it's it's interesting that during the, the trial, many of his family members actually said that they were sure that the voice that they were hearing because these calls were, were um, published on, on the news and places like that, that they were saying that it was him and they were telling the police... Um, Weepy face, uh, weepy voice killer is Stefani, and, and the police are going, Yeah, we'll prove it because we can't. Mm. And it was only until later, when he was in prison for another case, he was caught that they were then able to charge him. But um, a few years into his sentence, he was actually found to be dying of cancer, and so he confessed to all of them. Interesting. And Paul Stefani did die in prison in 1998. Still on serial killers, this next call is something very different. And Amanda, I have to say, going by your notes, this is just a tiny taste of something huge that is coming our way. Yeah, it is, and this isn't even a 911 call, but it's still a call for help. In October 1969, shortly after the letter threatening to blow up a busload of children, Zodiac called an LA police station and demanded that F. Lee Bailey, the famous attorney, appear on TV so he could call in. He also said if Bailey is not available, Melvin Belli will do. That evening, Melvin Belli appeared on KGO TV with talk show host Jim Dunbar. Here is the recording of that show when a man called Sam calls in claiming to be the Zodiac. Talk to us. Just tell us what's going on in, in, inside you right now, Sam, please. I have headache. Right. How long have you had those headaches, Sam? In a long time? Since I killed a kid. Well, was it before December that you had the headaches? Yes. Were you in service that you might have had uh, an injury in service? Did you ever fall out of a tree or downstairs? Were you ever unconscious? I don't know. You don't remember. Does aspirin do you any good? No. Doesn't do any good. Sam, that stuff never did really good either when I had it. Sam, let me ask you a question. Did you um, did you attempt to call this program one other time when Mr. Belli was with us? And you called. Did you try to call us one other time, about two, two or three weeks ago, when, when Mel Belli was with us? Yes. And you, and, well, and we couldn't get through. And couldn't we get through. The phones were tied up. Was that it? Yes. Right. Sam, let, let me ask you this. There's some reason why you go to a particular doctor or a particular priest, and some reason why apparently you, you uh, wanted to talk to, to me or Lee. Is it that you feel that we have compassion for people who get in trouble? Or is it you feel that uh, we can do something for you? Or is it you feel that uh, we uh, have enough integrity that if we promise you something, 
that uh, we're going to stick to it. Well, let's find out what, what, why he wanted to talk to Why did you want to talk to Mr. Belli, Sam? I don't want to be hurt. Amanda, we have pulled apart plenty of interviews. If this is the Zodiac, it feels to me like they've stuffed up this interview big time. Well, the first thing he says is I'm having headaches since I killed the kid. Yeah. Th- and, and they, they said, ignore that. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally they They're more interested that. in knowing why us, Sam. Why did you choose us? Yeah, and 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 Dunbar and and Mel talk over each other the whole time, asking asking questions. No, 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 that's not not a good question. I'm going to ask this. Like Melvin Bell, I actually asked, "Why do you want me or F. Lee Bailey?" I mean, we're, we're talking like big, you know, F. Lee Bailey. We're still going when um, um, O.J. Simpson was taken. You know, like he's he's mm. been around for a thousand years, and um, this person who claims to be the Zodiac, Sam, um, is getting confused and perplexed by these people, like, firing questions at him. Like, if this is the Zodiac, I'm sure you've got better questions to ask than did the headache start in December? Well, it's interesting you use the word claim because I think the most important question here is, was it actually Zodiac who called? Well, I mean, there's three people who have lived and have heard the Zodiac speak. So um, one was a victim that, that, that survived, another was a 911 dispatcher and um, another one was an officer who uh, claimed that he had taken the original call. You know, but all of them said that that call on that telephone on that TV program was definitely not the Zodiac and that the Zodiac's voice is actually quite deeper and he's older than that Sam person that called. So, Well, in fact, Zodiac made a statement against the imposter. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but um, Zodiac just has that panache. And um, just before Christmas, he actually mailed a letter to Belli that actually included a piece of his last victim's bloodstained T-shirt and said that... Um, he is definitely not the killer, and I think that that guy needs help. Um, and this is my way of proving that I am me, and that was somebody else. You know, it's Interesting. just yeah. All right, the next call is quite chilling to listen to. Travis the Chimp was considered a member of the Herald family. He'd been born in captivity and was adopted by Sandra and Jerome Herald. He would wear clothing, was allowed freedom to fix snacks, go into town and even drive a car on the Herald's property. He had been a popular fixture in the local town Festus, Missouri, and Travis even had a few TV and advertisement spots to his name. But that all came to a halt on February 16, 2009. Following Jerome's death, Sandra had a friend, Charla Nash, help around the property and was well-loved by Travis. But on this fateful day, Charla Nash was at the Herald home and both her and Sandra found Travis to be out of sorts. To try and calm him, Charla had gone and grabbed one of his favourite toys and held it out to him. That's when Travis attacked Charla. Here's the 911 call. Stand for 911, where's your emergency? Oh, this is Sandy, 221 Rock, Rock Crimmon Road. What's Send the problem? Send the police. Send the police. What's the problem there? The, the chip killed my, my friend. What's the problem with your friend? Oh, please. What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Send the police up with a gun, with a gun. Hurry you're, you're up. You're off a gun. What is the problem? He's killing my friend. Who's killing your friend? Chim- my chimpanzee. Oh, your chimpanzee Wait. is killing your friend. Yes. He ripped their part. Hurry up. With a gun. Hurry up, please. There's someone on the way. Who's gone? Please, you shoot him. 
monkey. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey's doing. He, he ripped her face off. He ripped her face off? He tried to attack me. Okay, I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Can you put yourself away? I don't want the monkey attacking you. Please, hurry up! Listen to me! Uh, they're on the way, ma'am. They gotta shoot him! Please! Please, hurry, hurry! Are you there with your friend? I need you to help your friend. Can you go help your friend? I can't! He tried to attack me now! Is he still there with your friend? Yes! Okay, so then back off. Then don't get any closer, okay? They're already on the way. Please. If the monkey moves away from your friend, let me know, okay? So we can try I, to help your friend. No, no, I can't. She's dead. She's dead. Why Why are you saying that she's dead? She's dead. He ripped her apart. He ripped what apart? Her face? My, everything. He ripped her apart? Listen, I think I'm going to fight. I think I'm going to pass nope, nope, just breathe, okay? I'm going to stay I with can't. you on the phone until they get there. Listen, please, hurry. Please, please, hurry. <laughs> oh, my God. They gotta have their guns out. They, they gotta have their guns out. Listen to me. Oh my God. Is this your monkey or whose monkey yes. is it? It's your monkey. No, it's mine. How, how, do you know how big is he? How, yes, how many 200 pounds? 400 pounds. 400? 200. 200 pounds? Listen to me, please. Where are they? And he's a chimp, correct? Yes. Where, where are they? They're going your way. They're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Please. Please go faster. Please, please, Derek. Please, please, please. Is the monkey still by your friend, or can you get close to your friend? He's eating her. He's eating her. Please, God, no, please. Okay, I need you to calm down for me. I know it's hard, okay? I know it's hard. But they're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Oh, my God, please. please. Amanda, this is so hard to listen to. How did this start? Well, um, before Sandra called 911, she actually tried to stop Travis her, um, from attacking them because he was actually completely out of sorts, as as we said. She'd actually grabbed a shovel and sort of stabbed him with it to try and get him, him to go away. Um, and But that did nothing, and this is when he, he started to attack Charla. Um, but then when the police actually arrived, Travis actually headed towards their cars because he, he'd been friends with the local police. And so he sort of went up to the first car, opened the door like he, he had before, and when the door didn't open he actually smashed the window because he was in such an aggressive state um and when that happened um one of the other officers grabbed a gun and just shot him then and he didn't actually die but uh, actually fled inside the house and tried to make it to his um his his cage bed thing um but actually died before he got there and what about charla um, well, she was still alive, actually. She she wasn't dead. Now, according to the reports from the hospital, um, Charla had actually lost her hands, her nose, her eyes, lips, and mid-face bone structure, so, like, all, like, the face cavity had, had, had mm. been destroyed. She'd received significant brain tissue injuries, and her jaw was also ripped from its sockets. Later, when they did the autopsy on Travis, they actually found Xanax in his system, which is a calmative. So um, Sandra actually confessed later that she'd given him the Xanax purely because he had been so agitated that day. And so it sort of seemed to be that there was a perfect storm brewing, and it was when Charla actually held up his Tickle Me Elmo, and she had just had her hair cut that day, so she looks slightly different as well that was just sort of the last shot and 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 he he attacked wow let's move on and for our final call you've selected something very interesting though we and many others have been critical of the dispatch in the power case 
Here is an amazing 911 dispatcher who caught on very quickly to a young woman's call and saved her mother's life. Sorry, got 911. I would like to order a pizza at. You called 911 to order a pizza? Uh, yeah, apartment. This is the wrong number to call for a pizza. No, 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 you're not. I'm getting you now. Is the other guy still there? Yep. I need a large pizza. All right. How about medical? You need medical? No. With pepperoni. Turn your sirens off before you get there. Caller ordered a pizza and agreed with everything I said that there's domestic violence going on. Really smart thinking. Yeah, I mean, we've only got small snippets of that case, but, yeah, it's just amazing. It would have been easy for that dispatcher to just go, as he said, you've called the wrong place for a pizza and gone clunk and hung up. But he knew that when she's saying no, 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 like not just, you know, I'm not just high and and calling you. Well, other dispatchers actually said they would have hung up. 100%. So people that he works with have actually said, if that had been me, I most likely would have hung up. Mm, exactly. But what this means is that now that other people who may be in a similar circumstance knows that this is something that they can do, yeah. that if you need help and you're in a domestic violence situation or anything else where you can't call them and say, 911, I need help, um, or triple O or triple nine, um, that you can actually sort of do this sort of scenario and they know to pick up on that because what happens then is that they start asking questions that the person on the other end of the phone just has to say yes or no to. So as he said, is the guy still there? And she goes, yes, with pepperoni, you know, Mm. and it's just so he knows what to listen to and what not to hear and so then they know what to do to make sure that there is no um, sort of escalation of violence. As we heard, he said, turn off your sirens before you get there. You Mm. know, this is how dangerous it is and, and it's obviously so volatile because she couldn't even sort of say we need help. She had to pray that this guy was going to understand what she was saying. Well, everything came together and he was able to decipher her code and make it happen. It's dangerous. May He may not have done it, but thankfully he did. So um, fascinating stuff. Amanda, thank you for another unique insight into these calls. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing to do and we have a lot more. I found a whole massive source of 911 calls so, and triple O and... and Triple, uh, triple two, I think it is in some countries and all of this. So right. we will be able to do a lot more of these if people are interested in hearing them. Well, give us your feedback. Just go to the Facebook page. We've got a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Just search MWM Confessions. And don't forget you can take part in Patreon by going to patreon.com slash MWM Confessions. It's very easy. It's the same code everywhere. On Twitter, it's MWM Confessions. On Alphabet Soup, it's MWM Confessions. <laughs> All right. Amanda, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Robert. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.